All right, welcome back to Slam Presents Hoop Ties. I'm your host, the one and only Amad K. Smith. Make sure you go like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, and also watch on YouTube. We have a very, very special guest today, Ryan Blackburn, lead analyst from Mile House Sports. How you doing today, man? I'm good, Amad. Thanks for having me on, dude. It's, it's really cool. I've seen your show a lot. It's, it's awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, I know you say you were a Denver native, so born and raised. I want to ask you what got your start in covering basketball in particularly and also like just the love of the game? Yeah, a little bit of a roundabout way to do it. I I, I started like playing football and baseball and was pretty good at that. But I, I was watching basketball uh, all, basically since the the 2009 team that that was here with Mello and, and Chauncey Billups and guys like that. And and started kept kept watching kept watching and then just playing a little bit i'm obviously like i'm five ten, so it was never gonna happen but uh <laughs> uh but enjoyed enjoyed watching and having a good time with that and uh ultimately it just i i started tracking different sites that were covering the nuggets that was the hometown team i i started writing for a site called denver stiffs which ultimately uh led to mile high sports and and the coverage on, on this side of things and Wanted to talk about, wanted to cover, and and just growing up and and really enjoying it and getting to track Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray throughout their careers. Uh, basically, got my start writing for the team when when Jamal was drafted. So it was uh, it was pretty pretty cool timing on that. Now you brought up two thousand nine and kind of entered, kind of got your start with Carmelo Anthony and Chauncey Billups and that crew. Talk to me about those teams because I feel like those are very underrated teams that I feel like people don't talk about for us, like the history of the NBA, but they were really, really good. Yeah. I mean, that, those teams were, those teams were legit, man. And you, you run into Kobe Bryant, you, you run into Pau Gasol in, in the, the Western Conference. And, and, and even before that, Denver, Denver had some bad luck running into some elite teams with Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki mm -hmm. and Kobe Bryant. And they're always kind of the B tier team in, in the West. And, uh, but it was always fun. It was always an enjoyable experience. They never missed the playoffs while Carmelo was here. And and to see Chauncey kind of come in, another hometown guy uh, from Park mm -hmm. Hill, uh, went to see you and, and had a roundabout way to come back to Denver and uh, really kicked the franchise over the top with the way, like becoming a very professional team, becoming a, a grown-up veteran defensive-minded team. And those groups were awesome, man. And it's it's too bad that they didn't really get to stick around for, for that yeah. long. But uh, that, that really uh, dragged me into basketball for sure. Do you think that since Nikola Jokic, we just won a championship with the Denver Nuggets, do you think it's any way that they're going <laughs> to possibly retire maybe Carmelo Anthony's jersey also? Because, you know, they both wear 15. I think that's out of the question now. No, I think they'll retire both. I, th I think there will probably be a statement at some point soon here that they're, they're going to retire Car Carmelo Anthony's jersey. He, he just announced his retirement, obviously. And uh, it was a big part of this franchise. The, the way that they split was obviously... Uh, nasty, the, yeah. pretty, pretty nasty for sure. But <laughs> they, they, I think they respect what Carmelo did for the franchise. And there have been some ties that have been mended over the course of these last couple of years. And, uh, the hope is that as, uh, Jokic and the Nuggets have had success that now people can kind of move on a little bit and see, mm -hmm. Hey, Carmelo was a big deal here. And I, I think that both 15s will be uh, they will be certainly retired and up in the rafters here relatively soon. I, I'd say Mellow's baby blue and, and Jokic's statement blue. I think that sounds sounds pretty good. I think it does as well. Now, Ryan, covering this Denver Nuggets team, when was the first time you realized throughout the season, or maybe it was in the offseason, that this team 
had the potential to be very, very special. Yeah, I think back in the bubble was was one of the first times where you didn't know if they had that that extra gear in them before. And, and I know a lot of people talked about the the Clippers. I know a lot of people, obviously, the Lakers were the main story in that bubble. Uh, Denver pushed them, and and Game Two against the against Anthony Davis, he hits that game winning shot in the bubble. That was a really defining moment for their team. That doesn't go in. Then you've got a series there, and and you, you never know what happens in that. Uh, I do think that it was about that time where I thought, yeah, Jamal Murray, he's special. Nikola Jokic, he's special. They were still so young, too. They were 22 and, and 24, respect, uh, respectively, I think. So those guys, you knew that the the sky was the limit for them at that point. And then Jamal gets hurt. Uh, right before Jamal got hurt, they they traded for Aaron Gordon. And you saw what a complete team might look like for this group. And after that, it was just kind of time. And, and you, you just needed to to give the requisite amount of time to, to see them get back to form. And ultimately, they did. Was there any, like, special, like, bonding or, like, tight group activity that you cover you saw these guys you were like oh these guys are really kind of like tight and close because it feels like this Denver Nuggets team they actually like each other because you know how you, sometimes you watch teams or you cover teams and you feel like yeah it's a bunch of individuals and they come on the court they're talented they're, they dominate but they really don't like each other watching this Denver Nuggets team and then even after like the NBA finals I really felt like this team really likes each other oh yeah I, I can come up with several examples and so much so that I, I don't so many of them you don't even like really think about in the moment because they are happening all the time. Like this is a group that loves each other, that hangs out with each other all the time. But the one that really sticks out to me during training camp, they went paintball. Like they they just like Aaron Gordon hosted a paintball event out there in San Diego, and uh, they really enjoyed it. They are maybe maybe it was before it was before media day actually back in Colorado. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, before media day, they they went paintballing, and all those guys were out there, or as many guys as they could possibly have out there mm-hmm. went and. Uh, they they just they stick together as much as they do. I think during the championship celebration a couple nights ago, the party game went back to Aaron Gordon's basketball warehouse that he has here <laughs> in Denver. So uh, everybody wants to hang out together. Like there, there's never been a, a need to separate. They all like each other. They all love basketball, and uh, that that's that's all really there is to it about this team. Now this is the first time in their franchise history that they won an NBA championship. What does that mean collectively for this franchise and also for the city of Denver? Yeah, it's it's a big deal. <laughs> I, I don't know if people really recognize how difficult it is for a non-California, non-Texas team to really win in the Western Conference. I was just talking about this to you before. Yep. Uh, 1979 was the last time that any California or Texas team in the West had won. It's over 40 years. It's a big deal for uh, a team like the Nuggets, a team like we, we call it coastal bias in a lot of ways, where you're you're stuck in the middle. You're talking about all the teams on the on the other sides, but really, it's just about the championships. It's about the actual like link that you have to the greatness of the game. And and Denver hasn't really had that link for a long time in their franchise's history. They've had some good moments, like the mellow years, like Alex English. There's Dikembe Mutombo lifting the ball over his head on the ground. Like there's a lot that you could point to, but you never have that singular moment where you could say the Denver Nuggets were the greatest the NBA has to offer. And it, this this felt like that, and it felt like a coming out party for for Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. And that that was a, a really big deal for this franchise and for this city. I definitely agree, because I feel like even through the course of the season, myself included, I was like, okay, the Denver Nuggets are first seed. But it wasn't until like you start really watching them, you're like, well... 
they're they're kind of different. Like they maybe actually go to the playoffs and actually kind of dominate. Even then, it was skept- people were skeptical. National media, myself included, I was like, well. Are they really going to beat the Suns? Are they really going to beat the Lakers? Because like you said, nobody really picked the Denver Nuggets, even though they were the number one seed, even though they had Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and they had Michael uh, Porter Jr. And they were you guys were clicking. Nobody really thought that the Denver Nuggets were going to actually like really do something in the playoffs. So is that bittersweet just kind of knowing that even though we were the first seed, even though we had a two-time MVP winner, even though we have an elite guard in Jamal Murray, and nobody really believed us, and they kind of went out and did it. Is it bittersweet knowing that and having that feeling then coming on top? Honestly, no. Like it's just pure sweetness. Like this, this is one <laughs> of those things where everybody felt like, uh, oh, Denver, Denver could have been building something before Jamal and Murray got hurt, and this this sort of felt like a culmination of three years where right. you had you had plenty of time to think about what it would be like, how it would feel. And the most important thing when when when, discuss, when discussing this team really is that Jokic has been great throughout, but he never really had the requisite help over the the first two years in order to become the version of himself that he needed to be in the in the finals. He raised his game to different ways that I don't think anybody really expected. Uh, mo- most mostly outside, but I, I think even even locally, people here didn't necessarily know whether Jokic would be able to reach the levels defensively that that were expected of him, that were expected of greatness. And I knew how competitive he was. I knew how much this mattered to him. I knew that he, he defensive metrics, like they, they value his contributions over his career a little bit better than the eye test does, that's for sure. But And so I, I can understand the skepticism as to why everybody's like, ah, I'm not, not sure whether to really believe in Denver or not. But you had to be here. You had to understand it. And I think that what the Nuggets were selling locally, it, it took a little bit to catch on nationally. But once people really started mm-hmm. to pay attention, they, they won a lot of people over really, really quickly. Yeah, and they definitely proved a lot of people wrong. Um, during this, this playoff run, who would you say was their toughest foe, their toughest challenge? <laughs> it's a great question because it was really nobody, if we're being honest. But, uh, <laughs> and, that, and that's, that's, a, that's a great Great thing to, to talk about for sure, but uh, no, I, I think I do think it was probably Phoenix. I do think that Phoenix was probably the team that hey, they they had the requisite talent at the top and the type of players that you need to really match up with the Nuggets and give them their biggest challenge. But uh, the truth is, is that Denver had a lot of different answers for all of these teams, and and each of them pre- presented their own matchup issues, like Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, or that that twin tower look. I think that's the way that you're supposed to defend Nikola Jokic, but it mm-hmm. leaves you vulnerable uh, in other ways, including on the defensive or including on the offensive end. If you're if you're those teams, uh, with Phoenix, they didn't have the requisite size after DeAndre Ayton, and then Jokic solved Ayton, and that was that was pretty simple. After that, with the Lakers, it was a competitive sweep, but it was still a sweep, and and I think that was Jamal Murray's coming out party most of the most of that, and like the way that he was playing and the way that the Nuggets were playing connected basketball. You just felt like they weren't going to be stopped, and whether it was LeBron and AD or, or whoever, it just wasn't going to matter. And then Miami, they 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 made Denver fight. There's no doubt about that. But if I'm if I'm the Nuggets, it's probably Phoenix. They took two games off of Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. That game five, going into it was was pretty intense. Just being in that building, and I, I think Denver ultimately proved that they were the better team. And, and going away, but it was still really interesting to see them kind of navigate that. No, I definitely, I, I definitely agree with you with the Phoenix Suns because, like you said, they took two games off of Denver and nobody really did that. Um, this postseason, who would you say nationally 
we know about Jamal Murray, we know about Nikola Jokic, but who would you say kind of like surprised the world in their play? Like Denver fans know you cover Denver, like you, you're probably not surprised. So give me that that one player that nationally kind of woke up and be like, oh wow, this guy is really, really good. There, there's two guys that come to mind here. I think mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. and his defense, I think surprised a lot of people. Just mm-hmm. he wasn't targeted in a lot of ways that people like they remember the bubble. They remember the the mm-hmm. 2021 year with the sun sweeping Denver. They remember Michael Porter kind of looking like a gazelle on roller skates, not not necessarily <laughs> defending the yeah. way that he could. Uh, and and now he he's like after three back surgeries, coming back and defending the way that he has and uh, with the same level of competitiveness and fire and then really even raising his game. It was, it was really, really cool to see. Uh, but the other guy's Bruce Brown. <laughs> like Bruce Brown, like, I, I don't think people fully recognized what, what he would be able to give to a team. And, and they all left him out to dry in free agency. There were opportunities for teams to sign him. He was left out to dry a couple of times. Uh, and, and then Denver was the ultimate, ultimately the team to scoop him up. And, and he's going to make a, a, a fat paycheck as a result. Like That dude has yeah. earned his money. And I'm so excited for him because he he came here, wanted to be the missing piece for Denver, and ex- was exactly what they needed uh, when he came in. And now he's going to get paid as a result. Yeah, and definitely you brought up Bruce Brown. It's a guy that I felt like he was in the Brooklyn Nets. He had him at a dunker spot. Like they kind of had mm-hmm. him in the Ben Ben Simmons position. But the Denver Nuggets, you guys kind of allowed him to get his game off a little bit more so than they did in Brooklyn. So also you brought up Michael Porter Jr. He only averaged nine points in this finals, but you talked about his defense, but also like him hitting the glass, the rebounding. I think he kind of woke up a lot of people and kind of showed that even though his shot wasn't really falling, he was still able to do a whole bunch of things. So I want to ask you about like his potential. How good do you think he can be? Because we know his history coming out of the draft class and how he was supposed to be a top five pick and you guys kind of took a, a, a risk that turned out to be a great risk. But how good do you think he can be going forward? He's only 24 years old. 24 years old, and what, what people don't really appreciate about it is this is like his third year in, in the NBA in, in terms of actually playing. He's, he's, been, he's been there for five years, but two mm-hmm. of those seasons he was basically out. Or, and, yep. and most important thing for your development as an NBA player is just getting the reps necessary at the highest levels to kind uh, kind of see where your game is weakest and then improve upon that in the offseason if you can. Uh, Porter is a very competitive player. He's also he's a more cerebral player than I think a lot of people give him credit for, and he's a tougher player than a lot of people give him credit for wow. too. Uh, that defense and the tenacity and the rebounding, as you mentioned, people forget he's six ten and can actually just just beast over the top of people a lot of the time. Uh, but he's not going to shoot fourteen percent from three in the playoffs yeah. like, <laughs> in the in the finals again. That's that's an mm-hmm. abnormality for sure. That dude. He he's an elite shooter, and and I think that is, as long as everything lines up for him going forward, he showed some passing, showed some dribble skills, showed like he's always been a great shooter and rebounder. He, he could absolutely be, I think, the second option on a title contender for sure going forward, as long as he stays healthy. I definitely, I think that's his potential, especially he can start developing more separation for us, like cleaning off the dribble. If that happens, because he's already six ten and can shoot over anybody in the league. If he starts creating off the dribble and kind of getting that separation, things can get very, very scary for the rest of the league. Now, let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Legendary performance this postseason run. He averaged 30 points, nine assists, 13 boards. He shot 46% for the three-point line. <laughs> like, <laughs> Talk to me about Nikola Jokic and this historic run that he went on this postseason. 
man, it's so funny. Like, think about the numbers that you just said and, and, and how it's just nothing anybody has ever really done before for an entire yeah. postseason. And he's making it look easy against a lot of these teams while playing the, the best defense of his career, I'd, I'd argue. Uh, I think it, it is a historic run. I, I think about Tim Duncan in 2003, Dirk Nowitzki in 2011, Shaq in 2000. Uh, there, there's a lot of these big man runs in, in recent years where you could point to that guy as like the, the sole driver behind like how good you are and, and just, just how dominant you were when you were at your best. And, and he's just like, he's firmly entrenched into that category. I don't know where it's going to go from here. I don't know what his career is going to hold, but I do think like you, you say two MVPs, a finals MVP the year after it's one of the greatest three year stretches we've ever seen. And like we we're talking about some of the, the all time greats here. And so I'm I'm really impressed with where he's gone, and and I I think it's only gonna maybe not get better, but mm-hmm. his game is gonna age really well. It's not, not like it needs to jump that much. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, also, it's it's crazy because it wasn't like he wasn't he he wasn't doing this against like elite defenders. We talk about Minnesota, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> made it look easy. We talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Davis, probably arguably, most people really feel like Anthony Davis is probably the best defender overall in the league. He made it look easy. Then we he went to the finals. He had Bam, probably one of the most versatile defenders that can guard one through five on the basketball floor. <laughs> he made it look easy. It's like, yeah. what more can you say? Which leads me to this question. With this run, with the two MVPs, with being a five-member on the All-NBA team, where would you rank Nikola Jokic right now in terms of centers all time? Oh, man, that's center position is just so stacked historically. Right? You've, got, you've got Kareem, you've got Bill Russell, you've got Shaq, uh, you've got Wilts. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Hakeem, of course, is there. Yeah. Um, I think I probably mentioned him. I, I think he's probably outside of that top, top tier in terms of like who you would rank right now. But in terms of Moses Malone, maybe even Hakeem, like he's knocking on the door, man. Like it just, Mm -hmm. just the way that he does it all around, he's breaking basketball in a lot of ways where nobody's ever seen the playmaking like he's provided at the center position. And everybody had questions about what he, what else he would do, whether it was the scoring at the highest levels whether it was defending and, and matching up with other guys, he's, he's held up about as well as any center has in the modern game mm-hmm. today. And, and to see him really flourish like this, I, I think he's going to go down as one of those all-timers. And if you ask me to predict where he goes from now, uh, the conversation is going to be Kareem, Bill Russell, Wilt, and Jokic as, as the top four centers of all time, I think. Do you feel like... Because I feel like Nikola Jokic is one-on-one. He's a point center. He's changing the game. Three-level score. He's done a lot of things that we really haven't seen at the center position. Do you feel like, even right now, because you, Kareem, Hakeem, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Moses Malone, like Patrick Union, David Roberts, like we know those guys. But from a skill and talent perspective, and then you add on the resume, do you feel like that gives him a boost? Because we're just talking about pure skill. Other than really Hakeem, we talk, and maybe David Robinson, it's like, well, I don't know. I think, I think sometimes we get caught up in like just a resume only, and then we kind of yeah. don't look at the skill part of the game. But you really have to combine the two. And I feel like if we're combining the two, 
I feel like he has a case for like at least as high as right now, top seven. Uh, that's just me personally. No, I, th- I think it's I think it's a great point, and he's a great example of of how modern the game has become. Where yep. you you don't necessarily need your point guard to be your your best ball handler anymore. It could be your center. Like he could take the yep. ball up the floor. He can handle the press. He can cross people up and put it behind his back and in open court. And he was doing that against Bam Adebayo in the NBA Finals. Like, what are we yeah. talking about, man? It's, <laughs> a, it's it's unbelievable to to see where he's gone. And and w- if you want post moves, if you want shooting, if you want creativity, if you want aesthetics, like e- even the movement, like, like he moves really well. And I, I don't For think people man. have like fully have fully understood and grasped that. I mean, he's not, he's not the, like they, he called him, a, he called himself a fat boy when talking to Malika Andrews, uh, I think yesterday, like the dude is, he's not like, he's in great shape now and just yes. handling 42 minutes per game in the finals. Like that's the highest of the high levels athletically. And it's, it's that it's the skill, it's the mentality, it's the overall just grace of the game. Like that, that dude has it all. And do you do you feel like he still is going to have that chip on his shoulder? Because I I feel like he is, and I feel like the Denver Nuggets are. Because it's been what two days, and I feel like people aren't talking about the Denver Nuggets anymore. And then there is we already got we already got like a question I want to ask. Like Pat Beverly, he's saying, "Oh, I think Carl Anthony Towns is the best big man in in the game right now." Like, what is your opinion on that? Like, this is right after <laughs> Nikola Jokic just had a phenomenal postseason run, just won his first NBA championship. We already got. Patrick Beverly saying right now that he thinks Carl Anthony Towns is the best big in the, the NBA. Yeah, people are going to stir the pot, man. Like it's, yeah. I, I I know those guys were teammates, and and Patrick Beverly has has lost multiple times now to the Nuggets, and, and especially <laughs> I remember that 2020 bubble year where he, or he could not handle Jamal Murray. So there's 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 a lot that I think he's he's not super pleased with with the Nuggets about. But mm-hmm. I mean he's. I can understand defending your own guys and, and I can understand wanting to then move on because I mean, the, the season's long and everybody wants to start talking yeah. about their own stuff, but mm-hmm. I, the nuggets, they'll, they'll always keep that chip on their shoulder and, and Jokic isn't going to read the headlines. That's, that's not what he's about, but yeah. I do think that he cares about his team. He cares about uh, the game of basketball and wants to continue to be great because I think he feels an obligation now to be great in ways that he didn't before. And, because mm-hmm. he could be this good and, and fi- like finally started to see, hey, I can reach this potential. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's what drives him, but, but I do think that like, he, he's a, a uniquely driven athlete and the competitiveness I don't think is talked about enough. Now you talked about Jamal Murray cooking Patrick Beverly in a bubble. And that was kind of like Jamal Murray's like breakout moment in 2020 bubble when he kind of like arrived on it nationally. Um, media's radar and the things he was doing down in the bubble. Then he got hurt in 2021 with the ACL injury and then he came back and then this playoffs, he kind of showed like it's not just bubble Murray, it's playoff Murray. So I want to ask you like right now in terms of like point guards, where do you think he ranks and also where do you think his potential going forward can be? Yeah, I mean, he he's one of those guys that I mean, he's going to show up when you need him to. And I, I think you could say that about very few guys, especially at the point guard position in the NBA, where it has been a lot of pressure and a lot of guys have folded at various points. But Jamal never really has. He was when he was 21 years old, he was he was playing great basketball for Denver in the playoffs and still trying to figure things out. But now he's got three years of playoff experience under his belt and he's he's been great pretty much every single time. So 
uh, I would feel comfortable like putting him behind Stefan Dame, of course. Like those those guys are are one of one, two of two. Um, I don't know about Kyrie. Kyrie is the one where because so much of what he does, I think that Jamal has shown up in the competitive moments, especially lately, in a way that Kyrie has not. And Shea has never been like had to prove it at that level. I think that Shea can, uh, but he's another guy like I. Jamal's just in that tier now, and that, like he's in the tier that John Morant is in. He's in the tier that mm. all of these guys are in. That you you could you could push them as high as that. I don't think you can quite get him to Dame's level. I don't think you could quite get him to Steph Curry's level. But anywhere after that, at like three, you can start having these uncomfortable questions with people. About, hey, who, who do you who do you really feel like is is uh, is actually going to show up for you at the biggest and brightest stage? Like Jamal's going to do it. You know that. I think that's the I think that's a million dollar question because what do we value the most? Because we talk about the regular season, but then we know the playoffs is a, a total different animal. And it's a, and then in, we talk about De'Aaron Fox, we talk about John Morant, we talk about Trey Young, we talk about these guys. But we just saw Jamal Murray in the playoffs dominating also in the finals. But I will argue this point though: one thing that some of those guys like John Morant, Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox can say that they have over Jamal Murray which is why I would kind of rank him below those guys, is that they're the number one option. And then they, they yeah. have the task and responsibility to be in the, the main guy, the go-to guy. I don't know if Jamal, maybe he can, but I think Jamal Murray is one of those guys. I feel like he's probably better as that too. Even Kyrie Irving, like and these guys get to the playoffs and they show up and then they max out and they'd be like, damn, are they top three? Are they like, knocking at that door? Can they reach certain levels like Steph and like Dame? I think that's um, what we're going to probably see with Jamal Murray. Another question I, I have for you, though. These past five NBA Finals, for the Finals MVPs, I want you to rank them from Ooh. one through five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so we've got, we've got Kawhi back in 2019, LeBron in yep. 2020. Giannis, Giannis 2021, Curry 22, Jokic 23. Okay. Um I I am I am I biased if I say Jokic at the top? Like I, no, I think he's say on what, an whatever you feel. run man. Like yeah. I I there there's been nobody that's done it quite like him and, and like the the holistic way that he impacts the game I think really has has changed a lot of people's perception of what he's done. I don't think LeBron was quite at his peak of powers back in the 2020 bubble. And so that's that's probably why I'd rank him a little lower. Giannis was still a little flawed. The the 50-point game in that closeout was was really impressive. Um Curry was really impressive too, but he also had some duds in there. It's 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 never perfect. And so yeah. I'd probably go with Kawhi, if I'm being honest, as that number two. I'd I'd say Jokic one, Kawhi two. We'll go LeBron three, Giannis four. Actually, no, we'll go Giannis three, LeBron four, Curry five. That, that would be oh. what I'd say. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'll probably go Kawhi number one because I feel like he beat the Golden State Warriors. And I feel like that run, anytime you get traded to a team and then you just go and drop you off and then you go and win a championship, that run, that playoff run he went on was phenomenal. I would say Giannis two only because of them being down 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns. Um, yeah, yeah. And then that 50-point 50, 50 closeout. Then I will go Nikola Jokic three as well because his postseason run was phenomenal. He really dominated. Anytime, I don't care what people want to say. You beat Kevin Durant, you beat <laughs> you beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's just like, I don't care about the seeding. Like, 
who you match up with, and these are like we talk about the guys, like a- Kevin Apex guys. Like that's, yeah, that's like, the thing. These, there's, these there's are the guys. Lot, there's a <laughs> lot of this conversation with those guys about uh, the the actual seedings that they play. This the the worst mm-hmm. seeds that they ever that any NBA mm-hmm. champion has ever played. I mean, that's more of a Western Conference and Eastern Conference problem. So, so many of those teams just did not step mm-hmm. up in that moment. But yeah. um, I, I think that Denver's run is pretty sound. And I think like anytime you can go up against LeBron James and live to tell the tale, like it, it feels yeah. it feels pretty good. No, I definitely agree. And you can't really fault them for taking care of business in the regular season. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what they yeah, did. They, exactly. once they, they took they took care of business, like who they, who they play, whatever their seed. And that's what. You're rewarded with if you take care of business in a regular season. Uh, number four, I will go with Stephen Curry. Um, I felt like his run was magical. Number five, I also will go with LeBron James because, like you said, I just felt like the bubble was cool. They won a championship, but I felt like that was like the last kind of like version of really peak LeBron, I would say. Final question, Orion. Who are your three favorite Denver Nuggets players of all time? Oh. L- little bias just just being here and, and being able to cover this team up close, but I'm go- I'm gonna put Jokic and Murray one and two, and I I don't okay. think that you can I don't think you could separate them at this point because the mm-hmm. the way that Jamal especially has come back from just just a, a massive injury and then, then being sidelined and in his first year back building up the way that he needed to and then ultimately being exactly what they needed to win a title. It's the first title in franchise history. It's it's a big deal. Um, after that, I'd probably go because I, I wasn't alive for Alex English. So that's yeah. I would I would <laughs> love to I would love to say Alex English because mm-hmm. he I mean he's the leading scorer of the '80s. Deserves a lot of credit for lifting up mm-hmm. this Nuggets franchise. And the only thing that stopped them at that point was the Lakers. So it, it's it's pretty pretty crazy there. Um, I would probably say Chauncey Billups. I think mm. him coming back and being that hometown guy, just really showing that you you can play basketball in the state of Colorado and, and then ultimately get yourself to the league. Guys like him, guys like Derek White, who I know has never been a nugget, but uh, would be would be really cool to see him come back. Those guys are great. Like it's it's great to be able to see guys represent your hometown like that. Uh, so I'd probably say Chauncey just just turning what was a good mm. team. And elevating it into a great team, I, I think, was really, really cool, even if it was short-lived. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not mad at it. Those are three solid, great picks. Some people may be mad that you put Carmelo Anthony, but those are your three favorites <laughs> at the end of the day. I mean, I Mello, Mello's up there, man. It's, it's. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect him because he was, like, he was a big deal. He did leave, though. He did, he did, he yeah. did decide he wanted to go and he <laughs> wanted to be somewhere else and. It's 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 always going to sting just a little bit, even if you can mm-hmm. forgive, even if you can forget. It's it's still going to sting. Mm-hmm. I know I said that was the final question, but this is definitely the final question, Ryan. For the past five years, we have five different NBA champions, which is a good thing. I feel like for parity in the league that we haven't seen in a long time. Will the Denver Nuggets go back to back? Oh, this is where I get clipped for social and be like that loser. He predicted that. How how dare he? Uh, no, they're going to go back to back. They're they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And I, I think, I think Nikola and Jamal are are built for this. I think that because they have so much continuity, all five of their starters will be back. Michael Porter will be better. Aaron Gordon is still getting better too. KCP, heart of a champion, won won it with the Lakers and now with the Nuggets too. And I've got some young guys in the pipeline that like kind of like the Warriors last year. I, I think 
that obviously didn't work out the way that they were hoping for. But I think that for Denver, their guys are in their prime. Like this is this Jokic is going to be 28. Like he is 28. Murray's 26. Porter's 24. Yeah. He's going to turn 25. Like they're in the primes of their careers. And I just don't see another team in the Western Conference right now that is going to seriously challenge them at their apex levels that they can reach. Maybe something happens this offseason that changes things. But I, I do think that Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, those guys are here to stay. And I, I don't see any reason why they can't make it back. Well, I'm, I respect it. Thank you for coming on, Ron. I really appreciate you. I hope you're right. You know, I love being proved, proven wrong. I was proven wrong this whole year with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, can you tell uh, the Hoop Ties family, the Slam family, like where can we find you, where we can find your writing, where also where can we find you like when you're talking about the Denver Nuggets? Yeah, you guys can find me at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. That's where I post most of my stuff. Uh, and then milehighsports.com. I just wrote an article about why parody is good and the Nuggets are good. Uh, and then Pickaxe and Roll is the is the name of the podcast. It's a it's a Denver Nuggets focused podcast. But you guys can all can all check that out if you want to read up on and listen to the NBA champions. Thank you once again. Make sure you guys go like, comment, and subscribe. This is Hoop Ties with your boy Mod K Smith, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Ahmad. Appreciate you.